Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, grab your worship guide, if you will, flip that over to the back, or if you have the Silverdale app on your phone, you can open that up as well. We're in the fourth week now of our teaching series that we've been calling Making Disciples. So the first week, we talked about how to be filled with the Spirit. In the week number two, we talked about how to pray. Last Sunday, we talked about how to share your own personal story. And then today, we're going to talk about how to share God's story. And we're going to talk about how to share the gospel, how to share the good news with others around you. Now, the most important thing I I think that we can begin with today is to understand that sharing the good news and the, the call for us to share the good news was actually one of the very last things that Jesus said to his disciples, to his followers before he returned back to heaven. It's in Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, a very familiar verse of scripture to many of us where Jesus said, you're to go into all the world and preach the good news or the gospel to everyone everywhere. Now, the question for us that we'll ask this morning is, well, then what is the good news? If we're supposed to be going to everyone everywhere with the good news, with the gospel, what is the good news? What's the gospel? Well, that's found in Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10. And it says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That's what we're supposed to be taking to everyone, everywhere. And then he finishes the verse and he says, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's the gospel. That is the good news in a nutshell. Now, I want to show you, if you want to take a picture of this with your phone, you can. It's a great reminder, an acrostic for the word gospel. It's been a great way for me to be reminded of this and share this with people uh, throughout the years, and it's this. The G stands for God. God created us originally to be with him. And then our sins separated us from God, and sin can't be, it can't be paid for, it can't be removed by doing good deeds. And so paying the price of sin, Jesus died in our place, and then everyone who trusts in him can have eternal life, and then life with Jesus starts now and lives, and we live forevermore with him. That's the gospel in a nutshell, and a real easy way to remember it with the word gospel. That's the good news. Now, when you know good news like that, you want to share it with people. You want to tell people. When you find out really good news, you want to tell other people about that. 
Uh, this past week, I was sent a video from Taylor McNelly, who uh, attends here at our church. And, and she sent me this video of her three-year-old son, Maverick. And, and they were at a, a play day at a farm, a local farm, and they were doing hay rides. And so uh, Taylor and her kids and, and Maverick, they're on this, this hay ride. They're riding around. And there's people that are passing them that are on foot as they're uh, on the hay ride. And this is a video of little Maverick. And check out what he wants people to know as they ride around. If you can understand him, he said, you have to know about Jesus. You got to know about Jesus. And that was the message at three years old that he wanted everybody to know that he was passing that day. At three years old, he understands the importance of everybody knowing about Jesus. Now, a word uh, that has been used for a long time when it comes to sharing the good news or when it comes to sharing the gospel is the word evangelism. And, and if you're really depending on your, your religious background or how you grew up, the word evangelism can maybe kind of be a scary word to either say, I don't really understand what that word means, or I've seen people downtown on a street corner with signs yelling and screaming at people and telling them they're going to go to hell. And I don't want to be associated with somebody like that. And so we, we can kind of get, get Get scared of the word evangelism, but, but let me do this. Let me put your mind at ease a little bit. When it comes to evangelism or being an evangelist, it, it simply means this. It means promoting something that you believe in to people that you care about. That's all that it really is. Evangelism is promoting something that you believe in to people that you care about. And whether you understand it or have heard it before or believe it or not, everybody in this room is an evangelist for something. You are. I've heard it this morning. I saw it on social media last night. I saw it all over TV. All of you are an evangelist for something. Some of you in here, you're an evangelist for the Vols because that's something you believe in and you share that with people. Some of you are for Bama. Some of you are for, I saw a Kentucky shirt back there. But, and you're an evangelist for that. Some of you are an evangelist for NASCAR. Some of you for, for American Idol or The Voice. Some of you are evangelists for Justin Bieber for whatever reason in the world, I don't know. Uh, some of you for Marvel movies. You're, you're an evangelist for Marvel movies. Some of you for Apple. Some of you for Android. And what is that? You just actively promote what you believe in to people that you care about. You talk about it all the time. I hear it from all different ages. I hear it in all different venues. I hear people say, have you downloaded the newest app on your phone? It makes your teeth look so white in all of your pictures. What are you doing? You're promoting something that you believe in to people that you care about. I, I hear people say, well, I went and watched that, that certain movie last weekend and oh, it was so good. I'm not gonna tell you the ending because it'll spoil it for you, but you gotta go see it. What am I doing? I'm promoting something that I believe in to people that I care about. Hey, the, the season premiere or the, the, the season finale of whatever show that you're into, it's coming on. And so you tell people and you post on Facebook your thoughts about it. What are you doing? You're promoting what you believe in to people that you care about. And if we will promote music and movies and cars and video games and apps and all of that, doesn't it make sense that when it comes to things that are life-changing, when it comes to things that will last for all of eternity, doesn't it make sense that in those same circles with people that we care about, we would promote the things that are most important? 
You see, if, if I believe that Jesus is more than just a person in a story in the Bible, if I believe that heaven and hell are real places and everybody will spend eternity in one of those two places, if I truly believe that there is a heavenly father that loves me unconditionally, and he wants to have a personal relationship with not just me, but with every single person. Doesn't it make sense that I would be busy sharing that with the people that are most important to me? In 1 Corinthians chapter nine, the apostle Paul tells us what his strategy is. He gives us his strategy in just a, a few short verses of what his strategy is to share the gospel, to share the good news. And that's where I want us to land and look at this morning. Begin reading in verse number 16 of 1 Corinthians 9. He says this, preaching the good news or the gospel is not something that I boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Paul says, it's, it's my responsibility. I don't get proud or I don't boast or I don't say, look at me and what, what I did because I told people about the gospel. No, it's my responsibility. I, I don't get puffed up in that. And he even goes on to say, how terrible would it be if I had this good news and refused to tell other people about it? Now let's skip down to verse number 19. He said, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Circle the word all people. The words all people there on your notes or if you circle in your Bible. The words all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. Now keep reading. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. That's important there. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness for I wanna bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everybody, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessing. Now, Paul gives us his, his strategy here, his, his method behind sharing the good news and sharing the gospel. And I want us to look at five things that he points out for us here. And I think all of them are applicable to our lives. So here's number one. As we share the good news, we have to understand the value of people. The value of people. Every single person, every single person that you lock eyes with on this planet is valuable to God. And here's the cool thing. You are the key. You are the key in between God and many of those people to bring them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was reminded again this week in the New Testament, there were about 40 times where Jesus interacted with someone, where he touched them, where he healed them, where he made them whole. In 34 of those 40 times, there was another person there was someone who brought that person to Jesus or someone who brought Jesus to that person. 34 out of 40 times, there was a key. There was someone, there was a middleman like us that brought someone to Jesus. And Paul says, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Why? Because everybody has value. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us three stories. And all three stories are about something valuable that was lost. 
There's a story about a lost sheep. There's a story about a lost coin. And there's a story about a lost son. In the story of the lost sheep, Jesus said this, this guy loses a sheep and he leaves 99 other sheep behind to go and look and search for that one lost sheep. In the story of, that Jesus tells about a lost coin, he said that this woman loses a coin and, and she just, she tears her house apart looking for that lost coin. And then there's a story about a guy that, the prodigal son who lost his son. And in that story, the guy sits waiting expectantly for his son to return home. And Jesus in all three of these stories is showing us the importance and the value that every single person has that's far from a relationship with God. In our passage this morning, Paul is saying this. He said, I, I serve everybody at every place, at every time for any reason to make sure that they understand that they are not only valuable to me, but they're valuable to God. You see, here's the deal. If, if I view you as valuable, then I'll serve you. But if I see you as broken, well, then I still have the upper hand because I got to fix you. If I see you as hurting and needy, well, then I still have the upper hand. But if I see you as a person with value, not only to me, but to God, then I'm willing to serve you. Now, the hard words for us in this passage are the words all people, aren't they? Just go ahead and smile and admit it, shake your head. It's the all people. Because for most of us, we'll say, you know what? I'm willing to serve all people like me. As long as they're like me and they think like me and they act like me and they dress like me and they look like me, I'll serve them. Or we'll say, I'm willing to serve all people that I like. But the all people seems to get us so tripped up. What does Jesus teach us and what does the gospel teach us in John three sixteen about all people? It says, for this is how God loved the world, the world is the all people and he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Why? Because every single person has value. A number of years ago, for, uh, and my wife and I got more money back for our income tax return than really what we were expecting. And it had been a while since uh, she and I had gone away and done something, just the two of us. And so we decided we were gonna take some of that money uh, that we had gotten for an income tax return and we were just gonna splurge. And we, were just, we went away to Gatlinburg for a couple of days and we were just gonna have fun. Now I decided rather than spending, making sure I didn't spend too much money, the, the amount of money that we agreed upon to spend, I was gonna take that out in cash and I was gonna have that cash with me. And then when the cash was gone, the fun was gone. So it was, it was gonna be that way. So we got to Gatlinburg and we were having a good time. We saw a show, we went out to dinner, we did some shopping and I kept all that money in my pocket. We were walking through a store and uh, my wife was looking at something. I reached into my pocket and every single bit of that money was gone. I mean, it was gone. And I panicked. I mean, I, I freaked out. I said to her, I said, the, the money's gone. She said, what do you mean it's gone? I said, I mean, it's gone. I don't have it. And so I'm retracing my steps. I'm thinking that I pull out my cell phone and I drop the money. Well, I went to the store manager in the place where we were. I said, I've dropped a pretty significant amount of money. If anybody turns it in, please let me know. And I'm, I'm panicking. I'm watching the door to see if anybody's got a big smile on their face with a handful of money. And it's gone. Long story short, I went back out to the car and sure enough, I had pulled my phone out in the car and the money had fallen down between the seats and I found it. Now you might say, Randy, it's just money. Why, why didn't you say 
ah, you got more money in the bank. You just go get some more money out. I mean, it's just money. What difference does it make? You know why I went on an all out search? Because that what I lost was valuable to me. And you would do the same thing. And we are valuable to God and every single person on this planet is valuable to God. If you went to the gas station after church today and you got out to the pump and you pulled the gas pump out and you stuck it in your car and then you pulled your wallet out and your credit card was missing, what would you do? You'd say, oh, I got other credit cards. I'll just use my spouse's credit card. What difference does it make? I mean, it's just a credit card. No, you would go on an all out search. Where is that credit card? Where did I have it last? Why? Because that's valuable to you. And that's how God sees you. And that's how God sees me. And that's how God sees every person on this planet as valuable. Here's the second thing that Paul does. Paul said, we've got to remain true to the gospel. We've got to remain true to the gospel. Look what he said. He said, but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Many well-meaning people, many well-meaning Christians have looked at this passage of scripture and have looked at these verses and have twisted it to believe this. You know, when I'm hanging out with unbelievers, when I'm hanging out with people that don't have a relationship with God, I can just act however they act. I can partake in whatever sin they're partaking in. I can, I can be just like them so that they'll accept me, so that they'll think that I'm a part of them. Isn't that what Paul's teaching? We can just act however we want with whoever we want. And that's not what Paul is saying here. I think Paul is saying this. When I'm with unbelievers, I don't ignore the law of God. I'm still obedient to the law of Christ. But I think he's teaching us this. We don't have to be like them in order to reach them, but we do have to like them in order to reach them. I think so many of us, we, we, we look at people that aren't like us and that live differently than us and say, well, well I, don't, I don't like them. I'm gonna get on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and I'm just gonna blast them and I'll blast their lifestyle and I'll, I'll let them know how terrible that they are. Rather than loving them as a valuable person to God. Look at 2 Peter 3, verse number nine. Scripture says he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's desire for us to see everyone as valuable and to love and accept everyone just as they are and love them as they are and let God do the drawing and bringing them to him. First Peter 3, five says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this how? With gentleness and respect. It's not my job to bust you over the head for your lifestyle, no. I do it with gentleness and respect and I tell you how much God loves you and he loves you just the way you are. So I've got to remember, I've got to keep in mind that I've got to remain true to the gospel. Listen, why in the world, if I were an unbeliever, why in the world would I want to be a believer if all the believers that I hung out with or that I were around were blasting people and were mean and writing mean blog posts and things on Facebook and they were unkind and unacceptable? Why, why would I want to be a part of that? So Paul's saying, you don't have to be like them, but you do have to like them and love them just like Jesus. Here's the third thing. Paul says, we got to go where people are. We've got to go. If we're gonna share the gospel, if we're gonna share the good news, we have to go where people are. 
He said, I was with the Jews. He said, I'm with the Gentiles. I'm with those who are weak. I try to find common ground with everybody. But listen, it's not about you and me. It's not about what makes us feel comfortable. It's about those who don't know Jesus yet and us finding out what their needs are and listening to them and being where they are. Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What did Jesus do? He went where people were. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I'll be over here at the synagogue hanging out if you wanna come hear me teach, come. No, it says he went around through the villages and through the towns and he healed people and he touched people. He went to where people were. And he connected with people physically and emotionally and spiritually. For most of us, if we'll be honest, we just want to hurl truth from a distance, don't we? I'll just stand over here and I'll I'll throw truth at you on Facebook. I'll throw some truth at you on this blog. I'll I'll, I'll send you a a mean tweet or a mean text or I'll, I'll just tell you what the truth is, but you stay away. But sharing the gospel means we take time and work and effort to love people up close. Look again at Jesus' last command to us. He says, you're to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. The Greek word that is translated go for us is the word poor UMA. And it means this, it means to travel. And Jesus' command to us was opposite of that, don't we? I mean, what, what happens in the American church today? What, what do we say? Come to us. We're going to put on a, a, a Christmas program. Or we're going to put on an Easter program, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Come to us and hear about Jesus. But that's the complete opposite of what Jesus says. He says, you are to go to where they are. In the book, The Purpose Driven Church, Author Rick Warren cites a survey that was taken and it's, it's really quite staggering. In the survey, the people that responded, 89% of church members believe that the church's purpose is to take care of my needs and the needs of my family. While only 11% of those that responded said the purpose of the church is to share Jesus with the world. of church members say, hey, the church is here to take care of me. It's here to take care of my needs. It's here to take care of my family. And only 11% said we're here to take the gospel to the world because we've adopted the idea of you come to us and we'll tell you about Jesus once you get here. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus is walking and he runs into two guys, Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew are, are fishermen. And he says to Peter and Andrew, he says, hey, you guys know how to fish for fish. But if you guys will come and follow me, I'll teach you how to fish for people. He keeps walking and he, he runs into two other guys. They're James and John. James and John work for their dad, Zebedee, at Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company. And they've been working for their dad. And, and Jesus says the same thing to James and John. If you guys will leave what you're doing and come follow me, I'll teach you how to fish for people. 
Now, I, I have never been good at fishing. And probably the biggest reason is I am a very impatient person. I mean, you know, if, if the fish don't bite just like that, let, let's move on and do something else. On the flip side, my son is an incredible fisherman. He's a great bass fisherman. I mean, he's, he's, he's good and he knows what he's doing. Now, my son has a house in Harrison and, and he would never sit on the back porch of his house and take his fishing pole and cast a lure out into his backyard and just hope that the bass find their way into his backyard and get on the lure. You know what he does? He gets his truck, he backs it up, he gets his boat out of his garage, he takes his boat down to Harrison Bay, he puts it in, he gets in his boat and he drives to where the fish are. Makes a whole lot more sense than casting off the back porch. But what do we do? We, we sit in our church and say, come to us. And Paul says, I go to where people are. If I'm gonna share the gospel, the good news, I've got to go find people. Here's the fourth thing. We gotta look for different ways to share the good news. Look for different ways to share the good news. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news. Look for ways to meet people's needs and add value to them. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus describes his followers with two words. He says that we're salt and we are light. What does salt do? Salt adds flavor. Salt also makes you thirsty. Uh, light, what does it do? It drives out darkness. It reveals truth. And Jesus said as followers of him, we're to be doing that. We're to be making people thirsty for him. We're to be driving out the darkness. If we're gonna be salt, I, I've got another acrostic for you. I think they're gonna throw up on the screen behind me. An acrostic for the word salt. I like this too. It's a great, great helpful reminder for me. If you're gonna be salt in this world, how do you do it? First of all, you show love. You gotta show love to people around you. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna share the gospel, show love to everybody that's around you. Ask questions. Hey, tell me about you. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. Now, the third thing, L, is listen. And this is where most of us miss it, don't we? We think when we're sharing the gospel, we're the only one doing all the talking. But we gotta listen. We gotta be quiet and listen. And then we turn the subject to Jesus. When somebody tells me about their life and the struggles and the difficulties, man, I say, I know somebody that can, can heal that. I know somebody that's changed my life and he can do that for you. When I lived in, in Texas a number of years ago, somebody in my church said, hey, I, I know a guy that really needs Jesus. He needs to be invited to church. Would you mind as a pastor going to visit him? I said, man, I'll do that. So I got another man, friend of mine, and I said, uh, let's, go, let's go find this guy. So we get in my car and we're driving, it's night. The area where we were, there were no street lights. There were no uh, lights on at the house. We're having a difficult time finding the house. And, and my friend says, Randy, I don't think they're gonna find it. Let's just go. I said, no, let, let's, let's give it another minute. I, I think that we can find it. And sure enough, we, we found the house. There was no lights on at all. A little bit, kind of a, a scary area where we were. And so we both get out of the car. We're kind of dragging our feet up the driveway, kind of watching where we're going. And we get up and, and he said, my friend says, I don't think anybody's home. I, I think we should go. I said, well, we're here and we found the house. Let's at least knock on the door. No lights on. I knock on the door and I promise you what sounded like the biggest dog that had to be in the entire world was in that house. And it comes and it's barking. I could feel the bark coming through the door. And it's, it's, it's you know, nails are scratching against the door. 
And my friend says, Randy, they're not home. We need to go. I said, let's give it a second. We knocked on the door now. And after a second, the guy opens the door. And I begin to tell him who I was. I begin to share with him a little bit. And, and I, I said, you know what? I, I would love to share with you a little bit about how God loved me so much that he saved me. And he said this to me. He said, um, I don't think that God would want me. And it really kind of took me back. And I said, man, why, why would you say that? He said, well, this past week, I just got out of prison because I, I beat a group of people just senseless. I just beat them senseless and, and I've been doing time in prison. I just got out. My friend nudged me and he said, really, I think we need to go. <laughs> but I stood there and shared with this guy the gospel, the good news, and how much God loved him. And standing there on his front porch, he bowed his head and he invited Jesus to save him. That next Sunday, I was able to baptize him. And he began to learn and grow and became a full-on follower of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that people out there are hungry for the gospel. And they're hungry to hear about a God that loves them but too many people have a wrong picture of God and they need to hear about him from someone that knows him personally. Let me do this. I I gotta do it quickly. Let me share with you a very simple way to share the good news, to share the gospel. It's called the three circles. I've got a a sticker on the back of my phone. If you want one of these stickers, we'll have them uh, on your way out today, but it's a very, very simple way to share the gospel. I put this sticker on my phone. You can put it on the, uh, the back of a, a laptop, just someplace where people will see it and ask about it. And it's very simple. The, uh, the first circle over there to the right, it, it represents brokenness. And, and every single one of us understand and we know the world that we live in is broken. It's not how God intended. The circle over to the left with the heart in it, that represents how God really intended the world to be. He intended the world to be perfect and everyone to be in a right relationship with God. But the arrow from one to the other shows that you and I chose to leave what God wanted as perfect and go to this area of brokenness because of sin. All of us have done things that we know that we shouldn't do. We've told lies. We've taken things that don't belong to us. And we've, we've left God's perfect plan because of sin. The center letter of the word sin is I, and it it always has to do with I and me and what I want. And nobody really likes to live in brokenness. We all try different things to get out of brokenness. We try try a, a good job, we try a spouse, we try maybe drugs, we try sex, we try all kinds of different things, but but ultimately all of those things that we try just keep pulling us right back into brokenness. But the great thing is God didn't want us to stay in brokenness. He wanted us to be restored to the right relationship with him. And so he sent his son Jesus down to the earth. And that's the arrow and the cross that's in the circle on the bottom. And Jesus came to the earth and he lived a perfect sinless life like none of us could live. And he died on the cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and for mine. And to prove that he was who he said he was, he rose again and went back to heaven. And all we have to do now is accept what Jesus did and turn away from our sin and from our brokenness and make him the king of our life. That's what the the crown there is. 
And when we do that, when we turn away from our sin, we can be restored back into a right relationship with God. And then when I got done sharing that with somebody, I would say, you know what? Every single person would find themselves in one of those two circles. Which one would you say that you're in? Are you in the one with a right relationship with God or would you say you're in the one with brokenness? And that's a easy way in less than three minutes to share the good news, to share the gospel. And it's something you could do. And the amazing thing is with these stickers, people will come up and ask you what it is and start the conversation. Here's the final thing, the fifth thing, then I'm done. Paul said, we've got to remember our calling and remember our purpose. Our calling and our purpose. What is our calling? It's to bring many to Christ. To bring them to Christ, bring them to Christ over and over, bring the weak to Christ, save some, spread the good news. He says it over and over and over again. And if we're in a right relationship with God, he says that we're become new, old things are passed away, all things have become new. What is our loneliness? And he gives us joy and purpose. And have to be perfect in sharing the gospel. You just gotta try. Nobody was perfect the first time that you tried to do something. You just gotta keep practicing it and doing it over and over and over again. As a young adult, I heard this phrase from a pastor and I've never, ever been able to get uh, get away from it. I've kind of asked God to help me make this a motto in my life of what I want to do in sharing the gospel and sharing the good news. And it's simply this. I want to become a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. I want to personally become a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. You see, in your life and in my life, God brings people into our life for us to become trusted friends for the sake of eternity. I want people that that know me and people that live close to me and people that I hang out with to see me as a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. And when they're hurting, when they're, when they're, they're lonely, when they're, they've got difficulty going on in their life, they can say, that guy at least knows the answer. And I can trust him as a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. So my question to you is this. Would you go out of here today with the mentality in your mind that little three-year-old Maverick had? Seeing everybody and saying, you need to know about Jesus. You need to know about Jesus. Everybody needs to know about Jesus. You need to know about it. Imagine what our, our city would be like if everybody that knows Jesus had that mentality. That everybody that knows about Jesus would say, I'm going to be a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. I want you to get your communion elements out right now, if you will. Before we take communion, we're gonna do as scripture teaches us to do. We're gonna take a moment to examine ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that we should take a moment to examine ourselves before we take communion. And communion is simply this, the, The juice represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross to pay for our sin. And the the, the bread represents his broken body. And as we take this, this is a reminder of what Jesus did for us. It's a time for us to celebrate. and It's a time to say, thank you again, Jesus, for what you've done for us. But as we examine ourselves, we do this. We say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to take care of? I need to confess. I need to make right between you and I before I take communion.
But during that time as well, I want you to say this, God, would you bring opportunities in my life this week to share the good news? Would you bring somebody across my path that I can share the gospel with? And I promise you, because God loves the whole world and sees value in everybody, if you ask him that, he'll do it. And then you have to be willing to step up and share your story and share God's story. So right now we're gonna take a moment. I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes. Take a moment and examine yourself as scripture says to do. Ask God to speak to you before we take communion. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.